Alright, welcome to Story Revolution, episode 4. This week we're going to be talking about Elf, the Christmas season, and the winter seasons and the holidays, and what stories have to do with the holidays, and um, how I think stories can really change the holidays for you. We're going to be talking about Abram and his call from God to go out and to go to an unexplored land and to leave his native country and his native people. So, let's get started. Welcome to Story Revolution with your host, Michael Hernandez, your very own local Cuban. Alright, so why Elf? Well, I think Elf is a great movie to talk about during the Christmas season. I think there's a lot of people who associate their Christmas season with Elf. They associate it with watching Elf 5, 6, 10, maybe 20 times. It's just that kind of movie. It's a movie that's so funny, and it's a movie that... Um, it's not just funny, but it's also really sweet, and it's got a love story going on in the middle of it, and it's uh, it's just wacky and crazy and almost self-aware to to um, to a funny point. So let's talk about what is the movie Elf. Well, the movie Elf is about a guy, Buddy the Elf, who is basically born in the North Pole. He's a human born in the North Pole who's ac- accidentally um, not born in the North Pole. Sorry, he was a human that was taken to the North Pole, and he never got to know his birth parents, but he grew up as an elf, and he was an elf who was three times too big and clumsy and just didn't have all the elf skills that everybody else had. But he grows up in this place. He grows up as one of Santa's help helpers, and he just slowly realizes that he's out of place. Slowly realizes that he his place is not the North Pole, that he has a birth father in the U.S., and he wants to know who he is, and he wants to know what life is like um, in New York, where his father's from. He goes off, he sets sail, and he goes to meet his father, and it's this adventure of him, uh, this elf trying to live amongst humans. Um, and he's human by all the looks, but he is just so different um, in every other way. And so it's this hilarious movie because it's, one, it's very self-aware. It knows that it's it's a Christmas movie, and it knows all the classic cliches of Christmas movies and um, all those kind of things, but it makes it funny and enjoyable again because it doesn't... It doesn't just stay there. It doesn't just try to be another Christmas movie. It knows that there's a lot, but it's it brings its own uniqueness in a way, and I really like that about Elf. So I think that's one just great thing about the movie. Another great thing is I think it really shows um, just the wackiness and the craziness of the season. And I think something that I find so interesting about the storytelling of Elf, and I think is really cool, is that um, it makes you aware of how crazy the season actually is. And how crazy some of our traditions and some of what we would consider a normal winter and a normal holiday season to be like. And how sometimes I think in the act of our traditions and in our doing things and having our ways, we kind of forget about all the things that maybe can really matter. And it probably sounds a little bit too deep to go with Elf, but why not? Why not go deep with a hilarious movie that makes makes you laugh? Because, you know, the funny thing about Buddy is that it, the story is told from a perspective and it's shown from a perspective of this guy who's going throughout all our normal routines, what we would consider normal, the holiday season, and he just doesn't get it. He doesn't get why we do the things that we do. He doesn't get why we say the things that we say. And I think that's so funny. He doesn't get why we have our JC Penny, um Christmas lifestyle. And... He actually just wants to enjoy the season, and he's weird for it. 
he wants to just enjoy Chris Christmas and all the wonder that it kind of brings around that time of year. And he's considered weird in this story. But really, he kind of helps you realize that maybe we're a little weird. Maybe we have some traditions and some things that are a little strange. And um, maybe they've lost a little bit of heart. So, um, I think that's one great thing about it. It gives you a different perspective on on our normal routines. And maybe makes you think about them differently. That when this guy comes and he's got a whole different way of thinking... When he tries to understand how we view things, he just doesn't get it. And it's pretty funny. And you also realize how strange our world really is. And I think that's a, a funny thing that stories can do. Stories can make you realize how not normal the things that we consider normal are. Not just with Christmas and all these things, but with anything. It's just there's so many things that we do on a daily basis that if you just stop and really thought about it, you'd be like, wow, this is kind of funny that we all accept this as normal. With From the way we all handle a trip to the post office, to a way that we all think about college and school and life and work and all these things. It's just, they're normal to us now, but maybe if we just stopped and put ourselves in someone else's shoes, someone as crazy as Buddy, we just see, hey, our our ideas of normal may sometimes be kind of weird, and we can laugh at it. I think that's what makes comedians so funny, is comedians take all the normal things that you go through day to day, and they show you it in a different light, and you actually start to laugh. And I also think it's funny that storytelling can almost bring different worlds together. It can make you see your world and your normal through a, a whole different other kind of world. And so in Buddy's case, it was this imaginary world, this North Pole that doesn't exist. But I believe stories can do that in real life as well. It can bring the world of Fort Worth, Texas, where I'm living now, back to New York when I'm there. And I can, um, I'm so used to certain things now from Texas that I forget that New York's kind of a whole different world. I'm actually stopping by Miami too this winter and it's going to be another different world. And it's just funny, you know, to go from Texas where it's, um, you got your traditions to Miami where you have your traditions to New York where you have your traditions. People are a certain way. They think and act a certain way and they just think it's normal. But I get to kind of bring my world there, my world of Fort Worth, Texas now. And I think that's the fun thing about um, storytelling and life in general is that you get to bring your world into other people's worlds and realize that you're both kind of weird. And that's all right. So I hope this season, as you come together uh, with family, with friends, with whatever, I hope that you tell stories of your worlds. Tell stories of what life is like in Texas if you're going to New York. Tell stories of um, what life is like in wherever. And come together and just realize, man, some, sometimes those little things can be so different. The life of a college student can be so much different than a grandma living in New York. I don't know what it is, but I just, I know that sometimes when you tell stories around with families, tell stories of what's been going on in your life and um, not just give them the good, say, oh, it's been good, it's been fun, it's been this, but really tell some stories. Maybe help them see how different your world really is and why it's weird for you to be back home now. Maybe you guys can laugh together. So stories bring together worlds, they bring together families, they show you the strange and your normal, and they make you laugh. I love that about stories. Uh, that's all I got today about stories. A little, it's a little shorter than it usually is, but um, I think today's going to be a shorter podcast. I do love it. I challenge you guys. Go tell stories back when you're home during winter. Tell them around the table. Really tell some good stories about um, just things that make the world that you're living in strikingly different from the world that you're going home to. And laugh about it with family because that's, that's truly the best. So if you remember last week, we were talking about Abram, this man that 
now kind of this lineage of God was going through with Noah and all these other guys, and then this comes this one guy, Abram. And it seems that um, there's a lot of dialogue and a lot of stories about him, so we're still going over his life. And remember last week he had a call on his life from God, a call to leave his native country and to go out into a land that he didn't know because God was making a big promise on his life. God was making a big promise of something he, he would inherit. Um, this this nations that he would inherit. And so that was the call of Abram. Abram um, was called out from God and he started to travel. And that's where we're going to pick up. So Abram went to Canaan. He went as far as a land called Sheshem. That's what I'm going to call it. I don't know if that's actually the right pronunciation. But um, this land was actually the place where the Canaanites were dwelling. So they were a people group that had begun to exist um, very recently. And the Lord appeared to Abram as he was traveling again. And he said, I will give this land to all your descendants. And he looked over at the whole land and said, I will give all this land to all to you and to your descendants who come after you. And so there, Abram made an altar and he dedicated it to the Lord. And there he worshipped God. Then Abram traveled south and set up a hill camp. To the west was Bethel, and to the east was Ai. There were two different lands. And on this hill, he made another altar, and he worshipped God. Now a severe famine began to break out through the land. And so Abram went to Egypt to flee the, to flee the famine, to get food. Because Egypt was the only place who had grain houses and things to store food. And they were the only ones that seemed to have anything. So Abram, as a foreigner, he left. And now you remember he had his wife, Sarah. And Sarah was a beautiful woman. And Abram knew this. And he was scared that when he went to Egypt that um, the royal officials would notice her. And that they would try to kill Abram for his wife. So Abram told his wife, why don't you just say you're my sister? And they're all going to treat us nicely because of it. Because they'll think you're my sister and I'm your brother. And they'll, they'll take interest in you and they won't hurt me because of it. Sure enough, when they got to Egypt, the royal officials noticed her. They noticed how remarkably beautiful she was. And they all went and told Pharaoh. And at this time, Pharaoh had Pharaoh was seen as a god. So, he calls Sarah over to his palace. He begins to give gifts to Sarah and to Abram. He gives sheep and goats and all these other amazing things. It was lavishing Abram. And he took Sarah into his palace and into his courts. And he intended to be with her that night. But the Lord sent plagues to all Pharaoh and all his men and all his children. So the Pharaoh knew something was up. Why did you tell me she was your wife? You see, because the Pharaoh had dreams and he knew that this must have been his wife and that the Lord must have been cursing him for it. Why didn't you say anything? He said. Now here, take her. Take everything I've given you and leave. So he sent Abram out with all his stuff, with all the things he had given him, and Abram left. So Abram left with his wife, with Lot, with all that he owned. And he headed from the Negev toward Bethel and back to the same place. He ended up at the same altar that he built on the hill country. And there he worshipped God again. So you see, Abram began to acquire a lot of things, a lot of men, a lot of cattle a lot of goods, 
And his nephew, Lot, who was with him, also began to acquire a lot of things, a lot of land, a lot of cattle, a lot of sheep, a lot of men behind him. And disputes began to break out between their men. Because the land couldn't support both of them, they had too many things. And there was fighting amongst their men, and there was crowding, and there was um, disruption. And so Abram said to Lot, Let's not allow this to come between us. Let's not allow all these things that we have in the way that God's been growing us to come between us. The whole country is open to us. Why don't you pick wherever you want to go, and I'll go the other way. If you go left, then I'll go right. If you go right, then I'll go left. So Lot took a long look. He started to survey all the land before him. And he looked to the Jordan Valley, and it was beautiful. It was like the Garden of Eden to his eyes. And Lot chose, and he left. Lot settled near Sodom, where there was lush land and great place for him to settle. But the people there were wicked, and they kept sinning. The people of Sodom. After Lot left, the Lord said to Abraham, Look in every direction. I will give it all to you. To you and your sons. It will be a permanent possession. There will be so many descendants you can't even count. They'll be like the sands of the seashore, impossible to number. It'll be a permanent possession to you guys. So go walk and see all the land. So Abram went to Hebron, and there he settled. And again he built an altar, and he started to worship the Lord. But now war was breaking out in the region. King Kurtalamer. King Amraphel, King Arioch, and King Tidal were going against King Bera, King Bersha, King Shinab, King Shemeber, and including the king of Sodom. So you see, King Kurtalamer, he had held the king of Sodom and the other kings. They were under his rule for so long. They had a long history of being ruled over, fighting, disputing. And so the king of Sodom grew tired. And he wanted to break out from this rule. So they began to rebel and to fight against. So it was four kings against five. Now the five kings were the ones who had the king of Sodom. And they were fighting in the valley of the Dead Sea. But the armies fighting with the, kings of, with the king of Sodom, they lost. And they ran away. And in this field there was actually tar pits. And they began to get stuck in the tar pits. But the ones who didn't made it to the hill country. And they hid. But Sodom was lost, and the kings plundered it. They sent their men, and they stole all the goods of Sodom. They stole all the goods from every house, everything of worth, and they even took some of the people. And they headed home. They also took Lot, the nephew of Abram. But one of Lot's men escaped, and he ran to Abram, and he reported to him what had happened. He told him how they took Lot, and Abram he was just a Hebrew living near the Oak Grove. But he knew he had to do something. So when Abram heard the news, he mobilized 318 men. There was different men around him from the different lands who knew him and respected him. And they went to go fight with him. And so he pursued the army of Kurtalamer, one of the four kings who was fighting against the five. And he caught up with him at Dan because he knew this king was the one who took a lot. And he divided his men and at night he led an attack. And the army of King Kurtalamer actually fled. They were defeated so badly they retreated. 
they were chased to Hobah, which is north of Damascus. And, and eventually they found Lot and all his possessions, and they brought them back. And after Abram returned, he met with the kings. He met with the king of Sodom, who was grateful that he had brought back Lot and chased away Kurt Almer. And he also met with another king, the king of Salem. Now, Melchizedek was the king of Salem, and he was also the high priest. And he went up to Abram, and he blessed him. And he said, Blessed be the God Most High, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He said, And blessed be the God Most High, who defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything that he had. So now, the king of Sodom went up to Abram as well. And he said, Just give my people back, but you can keep all the stuff that you have saved from me, all the stuff that you took back from King Kirtalama when he when he sacked my city. But Abram said, No, I want you to take all your things back, not even a sandal that you have I want to keep. Because I know that if I don't give these things back, that you may take credit. And people may say it was because of the king of Sodom that Abram was rich. So I accept only what was eaten for by my men, and the only people that I want you to give goods to are, are the men who came and fought with me. But as for me... I don't want anything from you. And so that's the story. It's a simple story of Abram. But that's where it ends today. Where Abram had fled from um, famine. He was trying to understand this promise that God had given him. He was taken all over the place. And finally he had to rescue his own nep nephew Lot. And in the process of rescuing Lot, he um, he's honored by the king of Sodom and also this uh, Melchizedek, this king of Salem. So that's where it ends today. Hope you guys have an awesome holiday season. Thanks for listening again. Please give me some feedback and just tell me how I can do this better. You guys are awesome.